Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for Focus staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's Manager of Spiritual Formation, and today I'm here with our head national chaplain, Father Kevin Dyer. Good being with you, Jess. So, Father, we had Ash Wednesday, I think about three weeks ago, and I pretty much spent the entire day thinking about what I was going to cook on Easter. Mm -hmm. I decided on lemon ricotta pancakes with a blueberry sauce. Beautiful. Sounds delicious, yes. (laughs) So maybe Lent didn't get off to the greatest start, at least for me, but now we're kind of in a groove. We're three weeks in, and I think this would be a great time to do kind of a mid-Lent check-in. It would be. Some people around the office are uh, experiencing it about the opposite way, saying, uh, oh yeah, I'm about done with Lent right now, and then I look on the calendar and see how much farther I have to go. So, uh, you know, there's there's different experiences of Lent out there. Be a good time to check in. Yeah, you know, recently I was reading a section from St. Benedict's Rule for his monks, and chapter 48 deals with Lent. And one of the practices he has the monks do is they pick out a book, and he specifically says that they have to read it the whole way through. And I thought that was really amusing that he didn't just say, you should do spiritual reading during Lent. But make sure that you actually finish the book during Lent. And I thought that that was just a great little anecdote about perseverance during mm. Lent. Yeah, there's different people with, with different approaches because yeah, I'm usually a, I have a mental thing that I want to finish the book that I pick up. And then other people are like, oh, no, no, I read like one chapter and then it uh, goes by the wayside. And there is a perseverance aspect to getting through like a soul of the apostolate can get a little repetitive Mm -hmm. as you go on and if you want to finish it there comes a certain point where yeah you have to make an act of the will exactly so i hope that this episode will encourage people to persevere in their practices and help them to know how they should be living mid-lent i feel like at the beginning of lent it's all about choosing what you're going to do and you're kind of looking at your interior life And then I think, at least for me, it's easy to get to Midland and realize, oh, you know, out of the three practices that I said I was going to undertake, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, usually one of them I'm doing well with, and then the others I need to recommit to because they've kind of fallen by the wayside. Where do you think most of the people find themselves during Lent? That seems about right, that There'll be some areas that we're doing well on just because it agrees with us. And then there are other practices that are just tougher or, you know, we just find out that they're less practical and we have a tougher time with them. It's good just at the midway point of Lent to take a step back and say, all right, well, let me try again, re-engage this and try to, I guess you could say, motor through to the end. So I asked you for three pieces of advice for people during this time of mid-Lent. What's your first piece of advice? So the first thing that I'd say is this is a time that you can make a little transition in your approach because the first part of Lent, we come up with our resolutions and the things that we're going to do, and we realize that there is some good in that. We get freedom because of these practices. So I think just stopping 
and appreciating the freedom that we receive whenever we engage ascetical practices is helpful. It might lead us to thinking, huh, this might be a practice that I don't just want to do during Lent, but it might be a good practice to continue through the year. Whether it's the extra prayer or something that we've given up, we just realize, you know what, my life's better without it, or my life is better with it, and so keep it. Looking at that freedom, that's a really interesting thought. I learned something recently that I thought was kind of cool. Fun fact. So do you know where pinatas came from? I do not know this. They actually come from Lent. So in this book, this author goes through different traditions in the Catholic Church, and one of them is actually pinatas. They started in Italy, moved to Spain, and Spain brought them to Mexico. But they were actually a practice that I'm guessing people did right before Lent. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would make more sense to me. But the piñata wasn't just, I don't even know what piñatas look like these days. Probably unicorns or something. Oh, they have them all. You can have a Kermit the Frog (laughs) piñata. Yeah, well, so that is not the traditional practice. The traditional practice is to make the piñata look like the seven deadly sins. (laughs) And then you give kids bats and you tell them, you got to beat this seven deadly sin. And then the candy comes out when you've defeated it. It's showing you the sweetness of overcoming your sins. And I thought that was so cool. What a great way to teach kids about the freedom that you're receiving through your ascetical practices. I'm hoping that at next year's Seek, in Mission Way, we will have a new company starting up, Catholic Pinatas, with a pinata for every one of the seven deadly sins selling those to the people at Seek. It's a great idea. I don't even know what you would make the pinatas look like. It's kind of fun to think about. Like, would you have a pig for gluttony or something? I don't know. Uh, You could have a lot of fun with that. So I'm hoping that maybe next year at the DSC we can do this. All right. It's on the schedule. (laughs) Yeah, but so it shows you the sweetness of overcoming your sins. And that's what you're talking about is beginning to notice the freedom that you're receiving. And I feel like Mm. at least for me and for a lot of people, you can tend to focus more on the negative in your spiritual life, like how much farther you have to go. And Mm. with your sins, it's like, oh, every week I'm still committing this same sin and you can get discouraged. And so it's really helpful to stop sometimes and just see the freedom that God is actually bringing in your life. Absolutely. It is good to make sure that we do focus on some of the negative along the way. I think it was last week, I talked in a homily about how at my mom's parish, they were talking about doing something positive for Lent. They really wanted to have a a positive spin on Lent this year, to which my response was, does that mean we're going to make up for it by taking a negative (laughs) approach to Easter? When are we going to focus in on the negative? Yeah, I think that we see here, though, that Lent does have built within it this shift from the negative within ourselves it's being lifted up. And so maybe that would lead into the, the second piece of advice. During the second half of Lent, we should take our eyes off of ourself because the freedom that we're experiencing is a freedom to see Christ more clearly. And spiritually speaking, you know, Lent is about what Jesus is doing. We can talk about the Christmas season as being who Jesus is, the incarnation But Lent, the Triduum, Easter, is about what Jesus is doing. So 
in our prayer, it can be helpful to shift from things that might focus on the types of sins that we commit or the need for redemption, and then turn our eyes toward the passion, toward the farewell discourse, toward all of these things where our minds and hearts are focused on him. There's a certain grace that we seek in this, and it is a grace of sorrow. Yes, sorrow for our sins, but also a sorrow that goes somewhat deeper. In the third week of the spiritual exercises, that's what a retreat and prays with. They pray with the sorrow that one should experience in seeing our Lord led to the cross. And I can remember directing a person once in the spiritual exercises, and she just received that grace so well because she had spent the entire retreat praying with, yes, sin, but also the life of Christ, and had come to such a point of love for Jesus that to see him abused, mocked, scorned, and led to his death really broke her heart and led to a deep sorrow. And so it's a sorrow based on love, love for Jesus. So during the second half of Lent, we can focus in on increasing our love for Jesus so that we can be filled with sorrow seeing what he's done for sinful humanity. So one of the things that I've noticed about St. Ignatius's writings is that he always tells people to ask for something when they go to prayer. And I think that's incredible because Jesus says, ask and you will receive. I remember once there was this priest who worked at the seminary who told me seminarians would always come to him saying, I'm just not getting anything out of prayer. And he finally asked them, what are you asking for? And they said, well, nothing. And he said, huh, you ask for nothing, and yet you get nothing. So maybe if you asked for something, you would get something. And I think that's such great advice. Ask for a grace. So what is the grace that you think people should ask for during this time of Midland? I think that the grace would be, first off, the grace to know Jesus more intimately and then knowing Jesus more intimately to grow an appreciation of what he has done for the world in his crucifixion, in his passion. So it's really not a practical grace. It's not a self-focused grace. It is an outward-focused grace, which will have an impact on us. It will doubtless have an impact upon us. But we're starting outward toward Christ. I think that's huge. You know, so often when we go to prayer, we start with ourselves and we think about the things that we want Jesus to heal or our sins or we ask Jesus for things. And that's really, really good. It's just that I find when I start with Jesus rather than myself, he takes care of all of that other stuff. Yeah. And I'm happier and I'm freer just starting with Jesus. So many problems in life Jesus will resolve them if we keep him at the center point. And you know, we see it in today's gospel and first reading of Naaman the, the Syrian that the solution comes in him recognizing the God of Israel. And likewise, Jesus asked for the faith 
to recognize who he is. And then the healing and the miracles and you know everything else follows from there. But it starts from establishing that relationship with God. And so in the spiritual life, it's all about establishing a deeper level, the relationship with God, and then letting the effects go from there. And so that, and that's really what's going on in the second half of Lent. And maybe it could lead into the third piece of advice. When you look at the seasons, there's a preparation going on, you know, a preparation to clear obstacles within us to receive Jesus and who he is so that in the Easter season, we can be open to being sent out. And that's what the the readings are about. That's when we bring in Acts of the Apostles and we see what was the effect of what Jesus did upon the church. And so likewise, in our own spiritual lives, we spend the season of Lent in preparation, clearing obstacles, coming to know Jesus more intimately, submitting ourselves to him and to his holy will. And then during Easter, he's going to send us out. We will be renewed. He will have something for us to do. And any grace we receive, if it's received authentically, will blossom. It will, it will flower in some impact upon our action and the way that we engage the world. That makes sense. Those are three great pieces of advice. So I guess I just wanted to close today asking you, is there anything in particular that's touching your heart this Lent? Yes. A few things that are touching my heart. I would say the primary one is the theme of freedom and in putting ourselves at God's disposal, letting go of attachments, letting go of my own will so that I can be freed to just to allow God to live within me in a manner that'll be more effective. So, yeah, that, that's one theme that's come up a lot. What about yourself? Okay, so somebody told me about a piece of writing from a book, and it was either by C.S. Lewis or by J.R.R. Tolkien, but it was a creation scene. And they say that God was creating things through music. He was singing, mm-hmm. and the world comes into being, and all yeah, the angels Tolkien. sing with him. Okay, it's Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Well, so then they told me that there's a bad angel that creates dissonant notes, mm-hmm. and then the creator uses those dissonant notes to make something beautiful. And I've been thinking about this when I go to confession each week mm-hmm. during Lent, because I've been thinking, you know, all of my sins— I am created in God's image, and so I create things, and I also create myself. And sometimes I create myself in a way that that's not who I want to be. I sin, and I bring something bad into the world, and yet when I give Jesus those bad things that I've created in confession, he's able to use it to make something beautiful and good and something that honors him. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of makes me excited, yep. and sometimes I meditate and I ask Jesus, Okay, so here are the sins I confessed this week. Will you show me what good you made out of them? Mm. And so that's been really uplifting for me, and it just reminds me that God makes good out of everything as long as I give it to Him. Yeah, 
No, that's beautiful. Well, thanks for taking time to talk with me about some Mid-Lenten advice today. I hope this is helpful to everybody listening, and I hope that you all persevere in the practices that you began on Ash Wednesday and hopefully recommit to them with increased vigor here. And Father, could you close us in a blessing? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God Almighty Father, we give you thanks and praise for your boundless glory the glory which was veiled in the passion of your Son, Jesus Christ, but which showed forth ever more powerfully in his love and in the resurrection. We pray, Lord, that during this season of Lent, we might clear any obstacle that keeps us from you, that your Holy Spirit might open our hearts to receive you so that we might love you and serve you in all things. And may Almighty God bless all who are listening, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jess. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Oh,